0: The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast hosted by Flamingo CEO,
1: June Chi, Welcome, friends of the Rebellion, and may the force be with you. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of um, the Apartment Rebels podcast. So today I am really excited to have Seth uh, the CEO of SiteComply. Um, so I met Seth a couple of weeks ago at the New York Multifamily Summit and was really excited to really hear his thoughts on product, on operations within the property management industry and really the differences that his company has made within the industry. So really excited to have him on to talk through a, di- a few different topics, one what is site comply, two how said kind of got into the industry and then a really major one is within the apartment industry, why it's so difficult for operators to adopt technology, to adopt and embrace technology. And what are some of those challenges that companies that are trying to sell technology might face and how that's different than how you have it for selling technology into other industries. And really like, what are some of those key challenges when uh, it comes to property management? So Seth, welcome. Thank you very much,
2: Jude. Really enjoyed our conversation. You did a great job moderating that panel a couple of weeks ago. So
1: thrilled to be back and continue the conversation again. Okay, cool. Um, so we'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about how you got into uh, property ma- into the property management industry. I know you've been through a few different companies previously. You were there. You were doing marketing at Conductor, and then Good. went to Inhibit as a VP, and then. Uh, Went to Site Comply, where you were the VP of marketing, and then kind of work your way up to the CEO position. So, congrats on really incredible career growth.
2: Thank you very much. I'll I'll say I guess so, Uh, you know, although things might have been simpler in in previous times, for sure. It was Mm. good stuff. Yeah, I joined in uh, 2015. I joined Site Comply actually. And, you know, Really uh, saw a bunch of the opportunities to join a company that was growing and and, and in the space, primarily here in New York City where we are today, um, but also throughout the entire you know prop tech space.
1: Uh, and it's been a great ride for the last seven years as we've, we you know continue to go through that. Nice. So, what exactly yeah. is SiteComply? I know you all do maintenance inspections and turns, but what is at the core of the company, and how do you help the industry?
2: Yeah, sure. So we started off, uh, as I said, in New York, we really started helping uh, property managers deal with a very complex set of compliance things they need to deal with in New York. New York is unlike any other place in the world where there's lots of rules you have to follow and sometimes you don't even know what you need to do. Uh, So we built a platform that really helped property managers look at their entire portfolio and say, what do we need to do? And, And we go get data from the city itself, organize it, present it. And that led to building some operational tools. In other words, it's not enough for the company to know what you have to do in compliance. It's actually getting people in the field, the maintenance people, the supers, as we call them here in New York, or the other folks that, you know, to be able to actually follow the processes you need to do. Oh, I need to say, is there a a child in this apartment? Are they under 11? Are they under six? If so, I need to do a lead test. All the things that are sort of super complex and building technology that made their lives a lot easier and managing Oh, wow. Yeah, and so we started off there. And then uh, a few years ago, we uh, had some of our customers that were using it for more than just compliance things, they started using them for <laughs> move in, move out. So they started using them for inspections broader than we originally uh, ever even thought about. Uh, and we realized that we had we had something amazing on our hands here. And that's when we started our national expansion uh, with InCheck, which is
1: our inspections and workflows and reporting system that we have today. That's awesome. And it's always cool when customers kind of take your product and make it meet additional workflows or things that you just never really thought about.
2: Yeah. It is the most exciting and most stressful part of my job, I think, is when we get to see customers who are stretching and adding and putting new opportunities in front of us. Uh, and it happens all the time. It happens like every single day. There's, oh, this person has a process that they've always managed internally by hand or there's someone in their office that just remembers to do something uh, and they want to put automation in place to make sure it always happens or they want yeah. to extend that best practice to all the other properties that work on there and, yeah. and there's some amazing things that can happen when you, when you listen to your customers
1: and follow their lead. And one of the challenges there, it's fun and exciting, but one of the challenges there is when you have to think about your original like product roadmap where you are like, hey, this is an opportunity. We have people that are actively trying to utilize a feature that's maybe not fully flushed out because it wasn't actually built for that. So yeah. you now have to make that decision like, oh, should we invest more time in building this out or should we kind of stick with what we had on our roadmap originally?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And then there's all sorts of things when people shift, like a bunch of our customers are switching from pen and paper to a digital inspection for the very first time. And they have all sorts of preconceived notions, right? Like nobody expects a pen and paper to automatically launch and trigger something else, or they don't automatically expect it to do something, but... When it's on you know, your phone, you're like, okay, cool. Now it can do all sorts of other things yeah. and complex things. And and that process of saying, oh, that's awesome feature. It's amazing to see some companies, the change management comes from inside the companies. And some companies actually look to us to say, hey, what should we be doing here? And, and yeah. even that is a feature that we originally didn't have, which was a library of workflows and best practices, which is like, oh, what can you do if you're in a, you know, multifamily, you know, residential and you're looking for a compliance thing or you're doing a commercial and what's my best practice for doing, you know, tenant interactions and those kind of things. And so we ended up building that library um, to be able to share some of those best practices and let the customers start to sort of consume what they wanted
1: to one at a time and being able to eat it that way as well. Oh, that's so exciting! So, going back to the original um, idea behind the company on like compliance. Yeah. yeah. So, what makes compliance within the industry so complicated?
2: Yeah. Well, I think there's there's several things that make compliance uh, you know uh, complicated. One is um, every location is different. You know, New York is extraordinarily complex. I mean, the, the many of our property managers in New York have discrete people who just deal with compliance, whereas you go outside New York and they're talking about not just compliance and, you know, how are our people behaving or, you know, what are we doing to to actually comply with, um, you know, uh, housing laws or anything along those lines, but hey, have we done the actual property operations, the inspections, the the, are we actually making sure that the uh, notices that we need are required to give our residents are going out on time and they're doing them? Um, and then it's like, okay, well, that's a different law if it's a building under six stories or over six stories. And just the, the extraordinarily complex complexity there. Um, and there's a lot of data. There's a lot to, to keep track of. Um, you know, we have over, uh, you know, almost a million residential properties on our platform. Wow. And- Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And so thinking about managing that by hand or, you know, in a spreadsheet somewhere, you know, it's just impossible. And much less being able to say, I need to run a report and say, what do we do? What do we not do? What's going on in these areas? And so, um, you know, just the sheer, um, you know, complexity has really changed over time. And then there's the knowledge. Like, this is areas where you have to know exactly what you're doing, or, or it can be, significantly problematic for you right you yeah, know
1: a lot of fines yeah so exactly how right. are you all able to um, get what those requirements are and get them into your platform? are you or is someone on your team I, have, I don't think it's gonna be you <laughs> someone on your team like a team of people going in to review all of the different regulations laws or whatever within New York City or whatever areas you guys operate and then yeah. build that into your platform. How do you actually do that? And then how do you keep on top of that if things like change?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, we have three real pillars to our um, you know company. The one is the technology, obviously, to be able to keep going through those. Second is our what we call our data insights and operations team, where they are constantly going out, looking at what's going on and tracking, hey, trends in the industry. Here are things that are actually getting fined a lot or those kinds of elements. And then our education aspect of it. We do a lot of educational materials, best practices, just even things like, hey, blog posts. The city of New York has changed how they think about this, and they're now enforcing this instead, or there's been this update, or this is the best practice as you think about moving forward nationally on how you handle this particular topic and doing that education. So, so we really split it into three ways, um, and then when we hear from customers as well, like, hey, we need to do this, we need to track it, we need to be able to, you know, monitor this more carefully, um, that feedback
1: goes right into that same loop again, and, and a, it's a great virtuous cycle that we track. Oh, Wow. So then on the customer end, if they are utilizing your platform, like what does it look like from their end? I know you mentioned that for a maintenance supervisor, uh, they are able to look and see exactly every item uh, that they need to inspect and kind of see what the nuances are. Like you mentioned, if there's a child under 11, they need to do this. So what does that look like from their end?
2: Yeah, so, you know, the the best part is um, with all of these procedures, that inspection, what we try and do is make it super easy to use. We say, if you can swipe through Facebook, if you can swipe through, you know, anything online, you can swipe through our app. And that's as complex as it needs to be for the actual end user. So we just ask a question of like, is there during an inspection, is there a child in this unit? Yes, if so. Is they are the what are the ages from there and then automatically triggers the thing. So all I need to do trigger a follow up on that
0: lead test or whatever else we
2: might have that goes through there. And we we have things triggered really three ways. Um, one is I'm in the unit, I need to actually trigger an inspection and have it walk me through what I need to do. The second one is on a schedule. I need to do this every year or I need to do this 15 days before a move out. I actually want to go run a process that's not compliance related. It's just, you know, I actually have a series of questions I want to ask before that. And the last one is based on a data change. So, oh, we got an alert about a violation on that unit or 311 or whatever those might be. Or we actually got a move out you know, date updated in yardy and we need to trigger a different thing that goes through there. So we really have those three different areas. It can be manually, I need to know what to do right now on a schedule, do this every year, three months, whatever that might be, or from a data. And that can be everything from uh, a trigger to, hey, when this certificate of insurance expires,
1: remind somebody that they have to do something about that and go from that. Or, So are the end users primarily like the site teams or is there a lot for the regional or someone at the VP level? So we actually
2: have different roles who can be assigned different things from that for that very reason, because you may say, I want all of the, you know, assistant property managers at all my locations or the community managers if you have them or whatever that might be to do a specific task. And then after it's done, I want someone in the front office to be able to do something else update something or ping someone else whatever that might be one of the most powerful things that we've seen is that interaction what used to be the i printed out your email and i stapled the work order to it and i'm handing it back to somebody in the office you know everyone's had that that kind of thing well imagine instead i have a standard workflow and when they find something in the field oh, I actually found that there was a flood and there are three things that need to be coordinated. I need a, you know, someone to rip out the carpet. We're going to do that internally on our maintenance team. I need a mold remediation person. Go schedule that outside. And I need to update and change the leasing date that you're going to actually put it back in the market. Whatever those might be, if they can be built in, instead, now you're not waiting for that piece of paper and then mm-hmm. someone to review it. And then to do all the mental gymnastics of, all right, what does this mean? What is that going to do? It can happen. The second it's found in the field, it can automatically trigger all those other things. And, and that can be the difference between, you know, one, getting units back in the market faster, which mm-hmm. is a material difference. But two, it also means that whatever the procedures that that property management company wants to follow, like yeah. these are our ways that we improve our NOI is we replace the carpet, after three years, not before, whatever that might be, you know, um, this unit gets renovated on turn because it has orange cabinets or whatever, you know, those things might be, they can be built into the operational aspects and the flow. that um, just automatically happens. And that allows property managers to start tweaking the entire flow across groups. So this is, yes, yeah, who uses it in an ideal world it's being used at lots of different areas. And that's in from inspections into the field to reporting on what's going on to being able to say actually we're going to go ahead and run report uh excuse me to uh, see what's missing and be able to change that or say hey
1: we found some stuff in this inspection that's going to delay it and what do we do in those exceptions yeah. so with all of that that's a lot of changes for uh, property managers and how like operations are basically done like you mentioned that for some of them, it's really going from a very paper based process to now having something one electronic and then having those like additional benefits that go yeah. along, whether it's those like triggers that you couldn't do before when it was all fully paper based. Yeah. So when you think about that, like what have been some of those key, I would say like the biggest benefits that clients experience when they decide to implement something like what you all have? Yeah,
2: you know, I think we think about it in three different benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly, there's the sort of asset manager view of, hey, we're going to make our properties more efficient and we're going to be able to improve NOI aspects of it. We're going to be able to get visibility on what's going on on the ground without actually having to go bother a bunch of people. That's one um, benefit out of it. Um, then we have the actual property manager or the regional who is bombarded all day long by the emergencies that are going on. And this allows them to say, actually, next time this happens, I just want this to happen automatically. I don't want to have to go into firefighter mode every time that happens, because I guarantee there's enough else going on that I'll be in firefighter mode somewhere. But I want to see what's not happening, not you know having to coordinate what should be happening automatically. And then there's the people in the field where it's sort of like, hey, if we can make that inspection happen a little faster, make it easier to use, make it so that... They take a picture and it's gone. And they're done. They don't have to worry about filing a report or updating something. You know, Their day can go faster. They can be more efficient. They can be more organized about everything uh, as well. So those are sort of the three levels we see. And what's funny is that almost every client comes to us with a, a different like reason. They're like, hey, we're coming in the top down or hey the maintenance person is coming and saying we have a real problem that we need to fix yeah um but you see it spread into these other organizations and the benefits there and that's really when we're, we get the most excited is when we can see it on the all three of those levels uh at an organization because when then we know we're helping uh you know much more
1: broadly than just a single point solution yeah. So then with over a million units on the platform you guys have clearly figured out figured out something and also clients are finding like benefits for the platform so when you think about the reasons why um, there might be resistance to implementing something like you all have have in place like what have some of the common things been
0: yeah
2: so look I think um, in our industry in general um, there is a uh, understandable, uh, you know, pushback onto tech uh, because the first sets of tech were all. The accounting forward side of things. In mm-hmm. other words, because the accounting side of things were so complex and able to go, that's where the basis of all the PMSs really lived. And then everyone else had to use them. And there just isn't a like desire for someone who's in the field to become a master of yeah. technology for that sake, right? And because the tech was originally built not to help them, but sort of help with an accounting side of things, I think there was a there was a big pushback. On top of that, in the next couple, in the last couple of years, there's just been such an overwhelming set of new tech that people <laughs> could buy. And there are new salespeople and new people calling me and new projects to go yep. through that like there's a oh man, I don't want to bite off something <laughs> again because like I don't know whether it's going to help me or whether it's just going to be a big pain in my butt to get be able to get through there. So, you know, one of the things we take all our clients through is sort of a self discovery phase where we say, what's the thing you want to get out of our product?" Like, and we make sure we spit that back to them and they hear it and they have the opportunity to be like, no, that's not it. Because the person that we may have, who may have used our tech today and yesterday for one purpose. If someone else comes in and they're like, we're not, so concerned about saving time on the ground we're really concerned about improving our overall you know efficiency or making sure mm-hmm. we're only you know getting approvals for things when they're outside of the bands whatever those might be uh, and so you have to to spit it back and put it in there um, and then feed it to them little bit by little bit like what's the thing that makes this worthwhile and then say okay also here's some other things that people are doing what are you doing mm-hmm. so we go have an implementation manager that is just does implementations. So a new client comes on board, they get a customer success manager and there's a support team, and mm-hmm. obviously the person brought them on board, they're all involved. But we also have someone who just does implementations all, all day long sit next to them because they can understand how to have those dialogues and have people who may never have done this before who didn't go to school to, you know, implement tech. They went, you know, they grew up running a business and then they want to understand, you know, how do I make what my business goals out of here? Not, you know, I get excited by the tech side of things. Um, And, you know, there's different generations. We see things on that too. You know, you have folks who are coming on board who are sort of being like, I don't want to do paper and I don't want to log into something. I have to do something on my phone. Uh, And those obviously help, but there's also areas where we're like, how are we gonna do that organizational change and help you change what happens when you know yourself, you have different levels, from the property managers' perspective, they have different levels of a technology engagement
1: already inside their yeah. and I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned about the younger generations coming in and having like different expectations for yeah. how things are going to be and how they want to do their job. So it's like, I don't want to have to do everything like paper-based. And I yeah. think that's a, an important point Uh, when it comes to technology in the property management industry is that it does impact um, recruitment, retention, because as the industry kind of turns over, as those like millennials, as those Gen Z come in, they are looking for companies that really have the best in class technology. You mentioned earlier that your interface is set like the popular social media platforms because that's what people are used to. And that's yeah. what's really going to drive, um, not just adoption, but really drive the changes that we need in the industry. And yeah. for, uh, the operators, it's what's going to allow them to recruit the best of the best and keep them in-house because that's what they are looking for. That's right. I, I was on the call
2: with the uh, client three days ago, not three days ago, last week before the break. And, um, they had a situation where at one of their properties, they had one person who was retiring who ran all their maintenance, did everything, did the inspections, told everybody else what to do, and they had five people that worked for them. And they were like concerned because one, there's one person who's walking away with all the knowledge in his head of how everything ran at that property and all the things they did. And two, like, The other five people were more than happy to use the technology and everything that was going on, but they didn't know what to do because they were still doing things, you know, the way that one person did, right? So they used that as an opportunity to say, we need to do a transfer now. There's still a room for saying, hey, we need to bring in someone who understands how to maintain that boiler and, you know, how do we do it and what it goes. But you know what? If we can automate the standard operating procedures so that on somebody's first day they can Mm -hmm. have – Here's a list of things that I can do, and it's super easy to use, and it's like, oh, here is an instruction on how I read the yeah. boiler cutoff value, you know, a water level, and I just need to record that and then move on. Or, you know, use this kit, test the pH of the pool, type it in here. If it's off, do this. If it's not, do that. Like, if I can institutionalize that it makes it easier for them to not just have standard operating procedures, but make their people successful and that makes it more efficient, but it also means that they're not just like sort of sitting around waiting to be told what's next. Exactly.
1: And that's like a power of technology across the board. So you also mentioned, like, as everyone knows, there's so much technology right now, um, just making its way into the property management industry. So some of, when that happens, as an industry matures, you have to start selecting like, oh, what kind of technology do we use? So based off of your experience, like what is the best way for operators to think about implementation and selecting the right technologies for their portfolios? Like what are some of those like best practices and tips that they should keep in mind?
2: Yeah, it's a great, a great, you know, thing. Well, first thing I think is to figure out, are they buying technology that just does something for them automatically, or are they buying something to help them do a job better? Because there are different answers to that. If you just like something that does something for you, like, oh, it just, you know, helps me clock in people in and out. And... The day after I implement it, I'm all good to go. Or I have this service that drives leads to my form on my website and it's just going to work and I'm going to see whether it works or not work. um, is different than saying, hey, where are we trying to optimize our company? Where are we trying to find efficiencies? What are we trying to do? Where are we trying to bring automation? And for the second piece where you're saying, okay, how do we have our company become more and more optimized over time? The most important thing you can do is write down what are our goals and who is involved in those goals? Who is involved in the process and make sure all of those people are in the evaluation form. I'll tell you the worst thing something if somebody can do is one person in the organization buys a solution that somebody else is gonna use and they don't talk about why they're buying it and they don't talk about you know what their challenges are and they buy it and then they hand it off and then the chief engineer gets it and is like, I- somebody else bought this and I guess I'm stuck with it, that's the worst thing that can happen in an organization. So instead you say, okay, well, what are the goals and how do we make sure, oh, well, the asset manager has certain goals out of this, which is I need access to the, you know, the, the standard operating procedures or, hey, we're buying a bunch of properties and we want to change the procedures that are going on at those from the way they used to, you know, run some other folks to a standardized process of renovate on turn and move it up, whatever that might be. So if they write those down, are already way ahead of the game. Um, and then the, the largest ones have implementation managers who manage this process internally and they understand that there's a rollout and how to do this selection process and who the internal stakeholders are. Um, because that's the biggest disconnect is when the internal and external stakeholders are completely you know, on different pages on what the goal is
1: of the product. So, you touched on a really important point about why, when an operator is selecting technology, multiple people need to be involved in that decision. So, how can someone actually go about doing that on a very like practical level? So, how, how when you select where you are in the selection process, like how do you involve everyone in that decision making process?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, um, as a vendor, I wish that everybody was better at it because it would make my job a lot better when we go out there to already have them. Um, But what we've seen the best property management companies really is they find the folks who are maybe project managers who have had areas, areas of managing inside the organization because they have to have enough internal weight that that they're taken seriously, um, but who are excited about learning new things and want to take that on a little bit and go from there. Um, I think that we are at a point as an industry where we're right at the breaking point where people are building their own prop tech (laughs) internal folks, where they're finding people who either have a proclivity to tech and they really enjoy it, or they're saying, hey, person my org, You may not like this, but you are now the person and and have fun with that. And then we'll start to see the same thing that's happened in the fintech and the martech and the other spaces where there are people whose jobs are are based on helping property management companies be more efficient or get more of what's something that they're looking for. Just the same way we see. Oh, I need to hire a Salesforce consultant. You can get one in a million. You probably have a million people calling you all day long to try and get one, right? You need somebody with an email, you know, marketing you know, piece who can actually do that or someone who handles specifically PR, they're all experts on that. Mm -hmm. And I think we now are at the point where we're starting to see those third-party vendors Mm -hmm. we're gonna be popping up. We're saying, oh, I actually used to be inside this large property management company and I redid their entire, you know,
1: property ops and
2: inspection suite and now I go do that
1: I'm a consultant for other companies who want to do it. It's something that- I really love that because it really, shows like how things evolve over time so it's not like a guessing game you kind of know how it happens when an industry matures so i love exactly that, you right. mentioned that point because it is like very very predictable like how it's going to happen so yeah. i'm curious like what are those like key things that you think will happen like in the industry that have happened for other industries
2: yeah so i used to look back um, again, I, as you mentioned, I started my career in marketing, right? And I remember um, in the early days, and you know, this is a long time ago, and you know, you'd get like email lists, and you'd get like hundred thousand things, and you'd write an email, and then you hit blast, and it would go out to everybody, and that was it, right? And then there were all of these other technologies started to appear, and I remember looking at a list of like hundred and fifty of all of the technologies that we could buy, and be like, I'm overwhelmed by this. There's so many technologies. Well, now you look at that same Martech list, and there are literally five thousand startups that are on nine thousand. Actually, just, just the last year, right? There's more, and each each you know, sub industry has its own slide, and it's gone crazy. It's grown, right? And that's because industry's evolved, and we go from there. So when we go to these, you know, trade shows, and we see, oh man, there's one hundred and fifty. There's two hundred, like you know, vendors that are out here. It's just the start. And I know that scares like lots and lots of people who think about this because the concept of like, integrating with 150 Mm -hmm. different technology stacks would make people's brains explode, right? But the concept is, well, what are you trying to do as an organization? And if you can get back to that, you say, well, no one's buying all 10,000 marketing technology stacks at one company. Like there isn't a single company that has all of them as customers. But all the different variants. So this company really is more concerned about like the satisfaction of their residents mm-hmm. and keeping long-term residents. And this company is all about like purchasing, you know, uh, uh, properties and you know, you know, s- s- uh, turning them around and changing them and running them differently. And they're going to buy different
1: sets of technologies and have. Yeah, those. It's the always like having that end goal in mind and then use That's that right. as a basis for technology because and you said this earlier, and it's absolutely true across everything is, technology isn't just like a flashy thing. It's there to solve a problem. So you have to know what your problem is before you should think about like purchasing technology. One other thing that you mentioned in terms of like the selection process that I liked, but I love to kind of uh, dig into that a little bit. You mentioned that uh, you need to involve someone from the teams that has like a proclusivity to technology. So yeah. one of the challenges that I have found though is when you do that, you kind of ignore the people that do not. So when that happens, it becomes a little bit more complicated because for the people that do have that affiliation to technology are excited about excited about it, how they view it is very different than the typical user. So how should we bring, or how should operators like bring in those people that are not technology athlete? Uh, Affiliados into the buying process, or should they at all? Yeah, no, I
2: definitely think they they have to because if you ignore them, you're you're definitely done, right? Because at the bottom line, these are folks who have been making these properties run every day for you know, their careers and they they're continuing and no solution is gonna come in and just like wholesale change everything overnight and you're gonna do it a different way. It's gonna be like, oh, we added something, we added something, we added it's an evolution, not like a change, right? So I would say one Make sure that the person who's running the process from a project management knows they have to involve the people who are going to be using it to make sure they're sharing and get sign off on what the goals are. Right. If you have the goal being like, well, we need to be more efficient. We like want to know what everybody's doing all day long, you know, 24 seven. When the person who's in the field hears that, they're going to be not too happy about trying to make that happen, right? They'd be like, so what you're telling me is I gotta go jump through a bunch of hoops so you know what I was doing all day, and you're gonna get a friction of like, that's not what we were trying to do. We were trying to help you accomplish more, whatever that is, right? And then the third piece is actually do it for real. So we have a a piece during our, you know, actual evaluations where we show some of the things that you could do with our product. And you say, here are the ways you can get off pen and paper. You won't lose that image. And now you have the report there. We show some of the automation. You could trigger this, this, and this. And then we say, if you have inspections, you'd like to see what they look like on our platform, send us over and we'll modify them, right? We'll put them into our system. And that's super key there because we can just take it and transfer it from pen and paper to here. That may not actually accomplish any business goals. So if you didn't write down what we were trying to do is this and this, you don't want to move from pencil whipping a a pen and pad to pencil whipping an iPad, right? That doesn't do anybody any good. But if you say, we're going to recreate that, we're going to have your person doing the move in, move out inspections, run through the existing inspection that's now digital to make sure they can do it just as quickly, yeah. and we're going to put in the automation to trigger those other things, or to run those reports, or whatever you need to do. Um, as long as you, that's a that's a little more work sometimes, mm-hmm. but it helps. It helps, and then you can say, all right, we're going to roll out this one process at this property that's more willing to take it on, and then roll it across the rest of the portfolios. Or we're going to say, hey, we have a set of watch properties that need more supervision than the other ones might need. And so we're going to try a more prescriptive approach there and we're going to be more adaptive on the other ones, whatever those might be. I don't know if that answers your question on the you know sort of approach, but it's get the buy-in, make sure they understand they have to and then be explicit
1: on the benefits, including the people who are going to do it. Like this is why we're buying this software. And I think that's the heart of it. It's like always tying things back to the benefit. It's not just about digitizing a process that used to be paper. It's really, it's solving an actual problem and an actual issue. So I think uh, the main thing is like always going back to uh, what is like that end benefit. Yeah. So you kind of touched on uh, something that I think it's always interesting, which is like pilots. or testing things out before like portfolio rollout. So, when you think about pilots, like where, where does everyone go wrong when they think about implementing technology um, and they start with a pilot?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I think there's a, there's a natural, understandable reaction to be like, hey, how can we just, why don't we just try this a little bit at one property and see how it goes? There are a couple things that are wrong with that. One, it usually means you just skip the whole process we just talked about mm-hmm. because it's low commitment. It's like, I'm not gonna get anybody involved in how we should do these kinds of things. I'm not gonna actually make sure we do. We just be like, let's launch the software and see what happens by itself. <laughs> and change management in an organization doesn't happen by itself. It's the exact opposite, right? It reverts to its mean by itself. So, so that can be a problem if there's not an investment or a commitment from sort of like someone with an, you know, Use the term executive sponsor or whoever that might be to be able to drive it. The second thing is you end up setting up standard operating procedures for the way they do things at that one property. And then you go out and roll it out across the other properties and they're like, we don't do it that way. Why did you run it up that way? And you don't actually identify which ones are portfolio wide standard operating procedures and which ones are the ones that we just do it that way and which ones are the ones that we do because they're in a different climate than this one. So we don't need to salt these steps for ice in Florida. You know, like it just doesn't happen. Or there isn't a boiler that's down there, right? The same way there might be in Chicago, whatever it might be, you know, on any of those those kind of pieces. So you can get false things where you have standard operating procedures that are exactly the
0: opposite of standard operating procedures.
2: You take the one, the, the codified way they run things at this one, you know, urban multifamily, you know, there's on-site maintenance and you, you push it out to the actual sprawling residential communities that they have in a, in a different area completely. And, and it's just not the right thing to do at the same time. If you don't think about that up front, you, you'll miss. Up front. Um, and then the third one is like selecting a vendor that doesn't support them, right? You know, and that goes back to the thing we try and do as much as possible, which is we're here to help you out, not just. The beginning
1: but throughout the entire
2: you know commitment With
1: the- <laughs> and i really love that point around like how different it is how different things are across different buildings within like the same portfolio and how that can impact what a successful pilot looks like because yeah uh it's done one way here pilot is successful but then you go across the portfolio and it's completely different so ideally for you like what is the best way to go about an implementation so obviously um operators do pilots because they are trying to de-risk so what is the best practice when it comes to implementations through pilots like how should those be done
2: yeah. So I think there's identifications and involving the people and telling them you're in a pilot and we want your feedback on that because it's going to go to other areas and we're still in that zone. Or have we already made it past that point? We're in a scaling point. We're saying, hey, we rolled this out. Now we're going to go from there. The planning still has to be the same ahead of time. And then you can say, OK, we're actually going to do some training. We're going to get people on board. We're going to create some videos for this particular portfolio and say, this is a new thing we're rolling out and we wanna do it this way. Um, And then it's about working the same way that they talk about their own internal trainings across a variety of different things saying hey we're rolling these these out and it goes from there um, You know, it, it also is different when you think about the third party or fee based managers versus you know owner managed versus oh you're engaged with a REIT or somebody else who's trying to put a supervisory layer on top of all of those things because all of those will be different sort of motivations for rolling out as well. The read might just be, hey, we just instituted this new thing so that we can get reporting across the whole thing. And it's going everywhere because it doesn't do us any good to just know piecemeal one at a time versus the other thing of saying, hey, what happens if we automated some of the move out processes so that we could try and reduce the turnover at this property from X days to X minus two days uh, off the market and and see what we can do on that and and move forward. Um, So... I know it's not like a broken record, but it all just comes down to being deliberate and conscious about what the desired outcome is and communication of that with the software vendor, with the property manager, with people you know who are using the product on the ground and making sure they're all in the same loop.
1: And that makes complete sense because once you do establish what those what benefits you're trying to get from software that is then utilized across the full cycle from the pilot to the full scale implementation. So if at the beginning you say, we want to implement a software that helps us cut down on how long it takes us to turn, then you know what software to look at, and then you know what the metrics are going to be during the pilot phase. And then if those are met, you then know uh, that's what we need to scale up. So I think that all makes sense that's
2: exactly right and, and the bottom line is many software products can be used for different ways mm-hmm. i want to implement procedures so i reduce my risk and you know my liability or i want to save dollars in material cost or i want to reduce the number of people that i need or put my you know people in a better spot because retaining people is a you know a brutal thing and replacing that knowledge that is what. of you can use our software for all of those, yeah. right? But you know, you, we start with which one is the most important right now and how can mm-hmm. we
0: handle
1: all those things and rolling them out and go from there. Oh, absolutely. So you've already touched on this, but my last question is around mm-hmm. like, what are your predictions for technology in the multifamily space over the next like five years? So I think you already mentioned a little bit, which is uh, not necessarily consolidation, but having people that become like experts at implementation or what should be implemented. But what would you say are your key three to five predictions when it comes to uh, PropTech over the next couple of years?
2: Yeah, I think I think um, there are a couple of things on that. One is that there will be those internal experts who start to be sought out for their ability to select and roll out technology specifically in this space, and I think that that those people will be some of the most highly recruited people in our space, bar none, because they can make that translation between the this is the business. You know impact that we had when we rolled out this other one and this was the one that didn't work you know and you should do that one and if you can save those like <laughs> learning mistakes yep. it's a
1: material difference across the board
2: right so those and experts,
1: just- material it's like what six eight or sometimes 12 months of exactly, right.
2: exactly right exactly right two things are going to get more complex and more simple just because we we have no two clients that operate the same you know investment thesis they're all different right much less within their portfolios there's also difference so it's going to get more complicated not less um, and the last thing is i think it's going to be an actual evolution of the industry of folks who can get it and do it well and have it make a impact on their bottom line are going to thrive be able to scale be able to grow more. We used to see this, that like there was this like, oh, you could manage up to around 100 units and then either you went big or you stayed there at 100 units, right? Because that was the sort of like, how many can I juggle myself on what's going on? And I, I can't delegate. It's going to happen the same way with technology in the sense of, oh, we can manage so much more efficiently, more capital efficiently. Efficiently, more people efficiently, more risk reduction efficiently um, with technology. And so we can out-compete over firms that can't do that, whether that's, you know, owners who can, you know, run a more profitable business for themselves or whether it's third-party managers who are actually able to return, you know, greater uh, uh, investments, you know, or be able to compete more appropriately uh, against other ones. And I think that will be a big wake-up call for some
1: folks who have sort of put this in the back burner of... Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be kind of my last question. Oh, that Is, do you think then the technology adoption is going to accelerate once those, I will say, the early adopters, like really start talking about what the benefits they have experienced? So if my neighbor or my competitor down the street, I can see that they have... Three staff members versus the five that I have, is that going to accelerate the change like that much more quickly? Or what do you think is a catalyst to really take the adoption, which right now is kind of like a slow and steady to that hockey stick adoption?
2: So I think I think people won't necessarily see it that explicitly. I don't think people are running those analytics and the competitors the same way they run them on, you know, what are the rent comparables that they're going on there? I wish they would the, do that though. Like I wish, it would right, they, should, I wish uh, they would run I wish they wouldn't. I think where it'll pop up is they go and they have to backfill and they have to hire a maintenance supervisor and they hire from somebody who had all of this technology at the other one. And that person walks in and goes, I'm going to work here. Right. And and I think that will be how people see it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it will be, the market forces will appear to be driving and it'll be less less clear during that growth mm-hmm. and consolidation that the technology is behind it because it's an incremental thing, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a, on Tuesday, I was all analog on my processes and on Wednesday, I was all digital and automated. Mm-hmm. Nobody can, you know, boil the ocean like that. Mm-hmm. So you start saying, oh, I just made the move from paper to digital. Then I started adding some triggers. Then I started running some reports on things where required processes are not happening, and you know, putting mediation strategies in there. <laughs> then I started automatically triggering things based on other data points, and it just adds up, you know, over time. Um, so I don't think anyone will see it. As quite as explicitly, although I wish we did, I think I wish we had a like index of the number of you know people per unit, different <laughs> segments and stuff like that that uh, we could directly tie to the technology. But you know,
1: for for but another, re- yeah, spri- I really enterprise, love uh, that point though of how adoption is going to be driven partly by. Um, just like job changes. And I think that might actually work really well now that I think more about it for this industry, which is there is a high level of turnover. So yeah. as people move across the different companies, if they have been exposed to something better, they, they would say, hey, <laughs> at my last job, this is really what made life easier for me. And I think what's interesting is that I have a few LinkedIn uh, connections in the industry, and I see them post this regularly, where they say, I'm not going to work for this company because I know they use this specific technology, and it just has never worked for me in the past.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and, and then multiply that by those thousands of, of different technology platforms that we have I'm talking about that. That's exactly right. But when we talk about the PMS, there's like, oh, not worth it. I don't like yeah. it. Or the, yeah. the begrudging usage of it, which is the like, you know... I came here and I didn't think about the fact that I had to use platform and yeah, sure. I wish I would have, you know. It's like blacked
1: that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But, okay, awesome, yeah. well said. It was so nice to have you on here. I've learned a lot on not just the compliance side, but also some of those issues that come up when uh, operators are thinking about uh, technology implementation. Um, so thank you for joining uh, the Upfront Rebels podcast. Awesome, thank you very much for having me, dude. Appreciate it a lot.